Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Part of my navigation from Wednesday night is that the Holy Spirit um, asked me to call us into a fast. We're going to fast until the day before Thanksgiving because I'm going to eat on Thanksgiving. And so that was... Um, I would challenge anyone who could um, to fast with me this entire time. Um, I know everyone can't. You don't have to feel guilty. Um, But it's unto something. Part of what happens for us in an encounter, an encounter is an invitation to a lifestyle. And I'll just tell you up front, Wednesday night was an invitation to a lifestyle. And I intend to yield. And it's just the reality of humanity that in this moment, your ability to yield will determine your trajectory over the next year. And, you know, it just happens. I've been doing this a long time. I can name moments and times where God laid out the abundance of ease. And some of us took that highway and some of us got off at the rest area. Right, Moo? And we can spend three years in the rest area. And coming back's harder. Um, But... Part of the reason why I like for people to share what happened is because we, it gives us momentum to know that God is calling us into something that's unto something we can't see yet. He always has to remake the vessel because the anointing carries a weight in it. You know, when I, one of the times, we've gone to Bethel a lot, but one of the times I went, I had a guy come up to me, and he just stuck his finger on my forehead. Um, It was in one of their healing room way back when they first started it. When they first started it, it was way different than it is now. But he just came up and he stuck his finger on my forehead, and he said, God the Father validates you. That was it. That's all he said, and he just walked away. And, you know, I was listening. Uh, I I opened up my laptop. Me and me and the Holy Spirit spent a lot of time writing and and reading and doing arithmetic. Just kidding. (laughs) Just sounded funny. I knew I could have you crying and laughing at the same time. And I. I watched this brief two, three-minute snippet from John Paul Jackson. Now, y'all know that he was also a spiritual father of mine, and I love that he taught me how to interpret dreams, but the way that he taught it was it was called the art of hearing God. It wasn't about interpreting dreams. And it stepped me out of the natural realm into the supernatural to where I could see things metaphorically in the spirit. And trust me, this natural realm is nothing compared to the supernatural realm. That is the constant invitation of the Holy Spirit. Everything that weighs us down is because we have this natural thinking. Captain Obvious, as I've been talking about. And so he made this statement, though, that I wanted to mention to us going into this fast Somewhere I have it. He was talking about, one of the things I'm going to talk about in this stewarding abundance is the abundance of power and authority that he's given to humans. An odd concept to me. The God of the universe chose to give imperfect humans power and authority on the circle. Does anybody believe that? Power that says, that's not what I've been. I've been up in heaven. That's not heaven. 
And so I have the authority by what I believe, what I'm aware of, to change the circumstance on the earth. That's why the enemy loves to cause harm because it makes me think I'm a victim to the circumstance of what happened. And nobody is. Let's get out of the victim world. Yes. Everybody's been hurt. Everybody's been disappointed. Everybody's been crushed. All the things that it says in Isaiah 60, maybe one, whatever, that he was bruised for our and he was broken for our, all that is what humans go through. That's why he experienced it, so he would show me how to have power and authority over it. Now, John Paul said this cool thing. He said, there's a difference between power and authority. Power is miraculous for the miraculous, and authority is for healing. And he demonstrated it like this. Healing is always the removal of something, and miracles are always the regeneration or recreation of something. He said, deliverance is the authority to remove something from a person and relocate it to somewhere else. I can give you a bunch of scriptures to prove it, but can we just talk fast? And authority comes by being in relationship with the one who has authority. So my awareness of my relationship with Jesus positions me to have the same authority. That's what he said, to do the works of Jesus. Agreed? But if I'm not aware of who Jesus is, like, here's a hitch for all the religious people. Well, he was God. So if I believe, I like how Bill says it, if I believe that he was God, then I'm a spectator and I clap at everything Jesus did. And I said, wow, that is awesome. If I believe he was man and he demonstrated what's possible for mankind to do, then I say, how can I do it? And when I don't do it well... I go back to the one and say, what do I do there? And one of the things Jesus said, this only comes out through fasting and prayer. What's trying to come out of you? It's really the question. Would you fast long enough? Now, I know some of y'all in here love a fast because you're not even eating anyway. So, you know, (laughs) you might want to not fast food, but... Shooty, she doesn't get, she doesn't have my permission to fast food because she would. Right? Right? She's got to fast something else. It's more of a challenge. Fasting is about giving up something that I have leaned on, that I've loved, that my soul wants, my soul needs. In order to what? To focus my attention on something else intently to where it's inconvenient. See, let me just help you. God's church of today is not going to care about inconveniences. I know we all just want God to be a sidecar. When I feel like it, I'll come. When I feel like it, I'll be involved. When I'm not tired, when I'm not busy, when I'm not, when I'm not. And that's not this church. That's not this call. That's not what God's doing right now on the earth. He is actually calling us in to be presence people. And he's saying, my presence has to be accounted for. My presence has to be made room for. It's got to be an inconvenience to your life unless you're just all good. And so I really want us to press in. And so I have, I have three people that I've asked to talk about their experience on Wednesday because I feel like that it felt totally out of body for me. I watched myself back a little bit on the video, and at one point I ended up being over here on the platform just looking out in space, and I didn't even really know I'd done that. Another time I think Pam came and brought me a chair. There was stuff happening in the room that I, in my 60 years, have never seen. And the proof of it is that it actually changed the trajectory for some people's lives. They didn't leave here the same. They're messed up. I don't know if you understand this, but I'm literally praying that God will mess up your plans that have nothing to do with Him. I'm up at night praying for you. People are having dreams. All the prophetic dreamers in here are dreaming about people that God came in and messed up their life. Cece had this awesome dream last night. We don't have time to talk about that either. But anyway, it has to do with the mess up process. 
Why does God need to mess us up? Because we're so rigid. We're so small thinking. We live in a fantasy world and God is just a sidecar. And this is not this movement. There is a movement going on on the planet and I tend to be a part of it. And part of that movement is it has to shift us out of where we were into something else and everything has to change. You know, the next morning, Pam got a phone call from her sister and all it said was, emergency, please pray. So I made her call her, call her. And it actually wasn't an emergency. It's been going on for four years. I don't call that an emergency. But I knew the moment she told me that God was shifting them. He was sifting the stuff in them that wouldn't shift. If you wonder what's God and what's the enemy, it's pretty easy to see it because God won't allow us to stay in something that He made provision for. God won't allow us to stay in smallness. He won't allow us to stay in harm. He won't allow us to stay in selfishness. He won't allow us to stay. We can't use uneducated. I don't know. We can't use any of that. All the excuses when I when truth is sitting right in front of me. I need another confirmation. I'm fleecing God to death. Give me something over here. Give me something. Give me something over here with somebody I don't even know when he's just saying, I validate you. Listen, whenever the confirmation came to me, it was a little, it was a little undramatic. But listen, it was enough because it already confirmed something that was in here. So Shudi, she had this incredible experience. Um, I want her to come and share it with you. We don't know what else we're going to do, but are you okay? Do you need a chair? Should I stay or go? You're built. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Ooh. I'm one of those ones that he messed up. 11 years ago. So forgive me. No, don't forgive me. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> I'm going to push through it. But I am, and I, he and I have a pact. Once I tasted of how good he is, I said, I will tell anyone anything you want me to say because you're real and you're good, and I will display you. And so Wednesday night was really powerful, and it was life-changing and life-shifting. And one of those things today that he highlighted even for me was speaking on a spiritual metaphor, playing field, but it also has to do with bladders. <laughs> so I'm going to say it just like how I wrote it out because I know it's him. So I said what I felt a shift in for me, the shift of 10-4, October 4th, brought my mind back into alignment with my heart. My heart has been ruined and resting in first love since the day I met Jesus in the little house on 172nd Street. I think slowly, and doesn't it always happen that way, as I've journeyed in ministry, the fear of failure was a nagging voice. It can cause a duplicity in my mind with lies I've had to tear down over and over. Really, though, when I look back over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of patience forged in keeping my love on that has strengthened me to prove out that I will never be a failure because I'll never quit learning to love. I burn to learn. Ironically, let me give a quick backstory to this part, but last week I was having some UTI symptoms, fun stuff, right? And... That's only happened a couple times in my life, and when it's happening, it's actually meant something very significant. And like I said, I told him, you can use my whole being. I am not my own. I am for you, God. But I was having these UTI symptoms coming on, and I realized it 
what was happening though was I was projecting in advance what had happened the last time that came on and I was already anticipating pain. I was already anticipating the pain that would come. And so out of fear of the pain, I'm texting the girls 11 o'clock at night. Tomorrow I'm gonna go back to that same clinic, dang it, and I'm gonna get those antibiotics. Knock it out, right? And so, but my awesome Pammy. <laughs> Love you, Pammy. That morning when I woke up, she said that night, well, let's just pray and let's just really invite him to come and be the healer. And so in that moment, that shifted for me. I said, yes, I, I will do that. I will do that. I want to do that. I want my faith to rise up and believe that he can heal me. And so I went to bed in a lot of discomfort and pain. But when I woke up, I could tell, not in a pain way, but something in my heart shifted. And I felt my faith at the forefront that completely overshadowed pain. And I was experiencing a higher reality of the substance of healing. I could, oh. I could feel the healing happening in my body. Pain was still there, yes. But I could feel the healing happening in my body. And so I talked to the girls again in the morning. They said, are you going to go? I said, no, I'm not going. He's healing me. He's healing me. I can feel it. And so over the course of just two short days, he completely eliminated all the symptoms and he completely eliminated every effect of that. Completely. That was the day right before 10-4 came. That was also the day right before the healing room happened. So these series of events, the father was coming in and he was shifting my mind. It's what she's saying today, to not get distracted by the disappointments of pain. It is nothing for him. It's only the byproduct that something was existing within me that just wasn't him. Do you know what I mean? One of the gifts, I'm going to say this with hear my heart. One of the gifts of when we're having hardship and pain and disease, one of the gifts that he's teaching me is that it's not him. Do you know what I mean? It's not from him. And so what happens in my heart is when I'm having a real reality of something hard, something painful, it's actually driving my heart deeper into the heart of God that this is not you. And so what happens is it separates my heart from get, getting twisted that God is the source of this pain, that he's not for me that he's not with me, that he's letting this hard, bad thing happen. And so while it's happening, he's actually driving me deeper into the truth that he is good, that he's the healer, that he's for me, that he's with me, that he will use this thing like he says in his word, he will use it for good for me. And so count it a blessing. That's what Paul says and what he means when you're going through something hard, when you're going through something that has brought a disappointment in your life, when you're going through something that literally is painful because that's the actual stepping point into the reality of who God actually is. He's actually all good, all truth, all healing, all love. And so I was, I was experiencing that dualistic thing those two realities that, that were happening, it was, it was a fact that I was having pain and discomfort, but the higher reality was that I was in process to complete healing. And so for two days, I got to practice magnifying that, magnifying that, magnifying that. And by golly, that's what happened. So there's my backstory to this next part of the shift for me on, on 10 4. So I said, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never be a failure because I'll never quit learning to love. And ironically, when the little UTI symptoms were creeping in, he was speaking to my heart about a bigger picture. He was showing me that how UTIs can be caused is in lack of water intake. He was speaking to me through this event about the vitality of his love like water for my soul. And when I let love in and simply rest and being the yielded lover I am, I can never fail. Love never quits. Love never stops. 
And it's teaching me how to be the same steady flow of his spirit. In just two short days, right before 10-4, he healed me. All the symptoms left my body, and I feel renewed. He's teaching me to shift weightiness from my own strength to his. Psalms 121 and 122 are the words of life I needed. In my heart, while Holy Spirit was ministering to us, I was renewing my vows with Jesus as my one and only bridegroom. I was restating my choice to remain forever his bride in this life and in our eternal home. And so, so that night when I was just renewing my vows with him, I have to preface that then the next day on Thursday, I came home from work and I had this box with my name on it delivered. And we have mail all the time in the front foyer of our house, but bless my mother. She will send me random things all the time. And so I just knew, I was like, oh, it's one of these random things from my mom, you know, it's like a weird sweater or something. I don't know. She sends me all kinds of weird stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to eat. It smells good. I'm going to sit down and eat, and I'll see what's about this next quirky thing she sent to me. And so after dinner, I walk over and open the box, and there's these really beautiful bulbs and just a couple of lilies I can see in this in this vase of, with flowers. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, that's, that was sweet of her. Like that. And so, but when I opened this note, it had this language in it. I was like, that's not from my mom. <laughs> it was just the sweetest words that I know only Jesus and I could have known. That's exactly what my heart needed. Right off the heels of the powerful Wednesday night. Come to find out one of my closest friends sent them to me. But it was like Jesus himself had sent me this bouquet of lilies. <laughs> As a little anniversary gift. <laughs> From when I gave my heart to him. It just rocked my world because after when I publicly said I want to marry Jesus for the rest of my life, my other sweet friend, she gave me a bouquet of lilies. And so it was very special to me to for it specifically to be the lily flowers because it all surrounds this choice in my heart I've made to be his one beloved bride. And so to have that tangible, I was just in shock. I was just holding these like, what, what in the world? <laughs> this is really happening. It was just, it was just my Jesus coming to reaffirm yet again that I am just his first love and he's mine. That I'm my beloved's and he's mine. I'll keep reading. It was Jesus himself loving on me and bringing the water that I needed. And this empowers me to shift into being the fearless lover with one mission in mind, to partner with him, to make the bride of one life ready. And he gave me a new life verse back in August. And so he told me that for me, even what I'm shifting into, that will be a, a gift to, to be a poured out love offering to others is Isaiah 54. The Lord Yahweh has equipped me with the anointed, skillful tongue of a teacher to know how to speak a timely word to the weary. And morning by morning, he awakens my heart and he opens my ear to hear his voice, to be trained, to teach and so I think the summation for me and just there was so much that happened there, but I just know that he set my heart free on a whole nother level to just be the yielded lover that I am. And that is just more than enough. And it's more than enough for all of us because love will always win out. Love will always conquer. Love will always be the one thing that is exactly what transforms whatever needs to be transformed. And so it was just an amazing night of just really, I think, just settling into the, the truth of just that he's love. <laughs> and he's just, he's just love. And it's just, that's, it's just that simple and beautiful. And it's everything, and he's everything.
good, right? Yes. So I, I felt like that gave good language to what's on our hearts is, you know, it's not enough for me to just say that Jesus is my first love. I wouldn't even have con the concept of love without him. But, you know, it's about actually positioning my heart. You know, we're all three-part beings, and most of us live by our souls, honestly. Our spirit's in the background, and we're glad we have it. You know, it took me a long time to put my soul in its proper position. I look at my soul as the passion of life. You know, I did something yesterday, and I was so excited to do it that I just kept finding myself just hollering out loud, just <laughs> randomly, because that's what I do when I feel really passionate. That's that's just the thing in my soul. And and you know, there's a little guy that was with me, and he said, "Do you remember earlier when you were hollering?" I was like, "No, I don't even remember hollering at all," because he had never seen me that passionate over nothing. You know, to him, he can't couldn't figure out why I was yelling and see that. It's when our soul's in its proper place, it's not deciding whether it's hurt or offended. It's not listening to the voice of the enemy and deciding how I'm going to act that day. When my spirit, we talk about it a lot, but when my spirit's in the lead, it's hungering and thirsting for the living God. I will do anything to get more of that. You know, one of the things that that we're going to do, um, I've got a group of people that are going to do a morning prayer at 6.15, and um, Lenny and I have made some sign-up sheets today, so if you want to be a part of that, you know, we're going to do a little FaceTime prayer session, um, and then we're going to do one at noon every day until December. I got a little slide, but I don't know if we want to put it up. Um, guess not. But um, anyway, if we wanted, if you want to be a part of that, then just, you know, sign up for whatever slot you want and let us know. But part of my heart about it. We do a lot of, um, of talking about prayer and Pam does an amazing job. You know, Tuesday nights we have prayer. We pray up here at five o'clock on Wednesday nights. We pray up here at four o'clock on Saturday nights. We pray up here at eight forty-five on Sunday mornings. So, you know, we're pretty covered and we usually have worship practice up here on Tuesday nights and they have Tuesday night prayer at Jackie and Gwen's house. But I just really want to invite you to make your home a house of prayer until that time. You know, there's a lot. We've been working over the Rich's house. They're going to probably be moving in this week. Don't tell them. But it's, you know, it's exciting for us, you know, to for all of us, because while we're there, we're interceding. We're, we're putting something in the atmosphere. We're pushing out anything that would bring harm to them, and we're inviting just the new life of God to come. And I feel like... We can all do that. I invite you on the other nights that you're not doing something to pray with other people in our community here. It's really important that we press in because God's really trying to shift some things. I also asked Tessa, come up, Tess, to share a super cool thing that happened with her on Tuesday night and, uh, I mean, Wednesday night. And, you know, Tessa and Cece are, are resident feelers. And they've been having a lot of feels the last few days. And, you know, one thing that I would say that would, for me, would summarize part of what they're feeling. It's not just everyone laying. It's just like trying to find something in the dark for me. But because I'm not a feeler, I'm a knower. So, you know, it just feels, it just feels different for me. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say that there's... um I don't want to be too um, weird, but your, my weirdness does sustain you. So, But I feel like there's a spirit of manipulation that tries to come in and distort my heart about what we want to do sometimes. And I feel like when you're susceptible to that, you know, especially childlike people or um, my feelers, they, they, they're driven by a heart of mercy. They're driven by a heart 
And they sometimes pick up on stuff that they think it's them and they'll shift things in their life around this response to the enemy when it was really God just burdening them. And so she wrote this really cool word. I'm not going to have her read it right now, but it just came out of this place that God is doing something in her, expanding in her the ability to see her spiritual gift in a new way. Now, I know for a fact a couple of people had a similar experience to Shudi uh, on Wednesday night. And, you know, one of the things I just want to admonish is some of y'all are called to healing. And I will guarantee you that the enemy, you can, Aubrey has got a doctorate in this, that the enemy will attempt to cause sickness to come to your house. And it's, it's a constant battle for her to, you know, I'm trying to teach them unity. When they finally come into unity, then they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. But it's that disunity that opens the door to the enemy. And so, you know, one of the things, especially if you have children, you don't know what all they're called to do. A lot of times we're just not at the gate in the right way. And the enemy is always the author of sickness. Always, 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 always. It's not God. It's never God. It's never God. Say that loud. It's never God. It's never God. Say it. It's never God. But sometimes... You know, can I say another bold statement? Our ability to be addicted comes from our ability to not deal with pain. And so whenever we don't deal with pain, we use something outside of the source of God to comfort us. That creates our soul becomes addicted to something, whether it be, you know, it can be anything from naps to obviously all kinds of substance abuses. But listen, this is the time that God is breaking forth, not only here, but around the world. And he's setting things up. And the feelers, my feelers tell me what things are going on, what things are being highlighted. And if you think you're a feeler, be sure and don't organize your life around how you feel. Okay, you're probably just picking up on something. You're just probably a little immature in it. If you're not careful, you'll take a pill or go to a doctor or go to New Zealand, and it won't be about any of that. <laughs> Lynn went to Iceland in a box one time. So, you know, just stuff can happen on the other side of that. So are you with me? Anybody with me? Okay, so Tess had an awesome experience I wanted her to share about. It. Is that a good setup? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Well, Wednesday was really, really shifting and powerful for me. Um, he's been speaking to me for a long time, really about what she talked about today, about the disappointment. And so it's really amazing. You know, she she shared the other night about um, that we actually walk through the abundance of God to get to the thing that we find is lacking. We have to look past everything that God has done to just look at the one thing. Just like in the garden, they walked past every tree they could eat to get to the one they couldn't. And so we have to not do that. <laughs> we, we have to recognize the abundance and magnify who he is more than maybe the one thing that we actually need to forgive, the one thing we actually need to cut off from our heart that's disappointment. And so today really wrecked me because Actually, on Friday night, I met a man that I came up to him and I said, I break disappointment off your heart. And I, the Holy Spirit showed me that disappointment on his heart was an open door. And I came up to him with my authority and I cut it off. And so then today, he's showing me how taking authority over that opened up even a deeper door for me to take authority over disappointment on my heart and say no. I cut you off. I closed the door. And so I think that um, Wednesday night was a really big shift for me because um, I, um, I had a dream on Tuesday night um, where I had made a, an, an appointment to cover up my tattoo, which I only have one tattoo, and it was done with a needle. 
and ink. Um, and in the dream, it was actually on my right arm, which represents what you were born to do. Um, and so this tattoo of the little rocket ship was actually on my right arm. And in the dream, I had made an appointment to cover it up with a bouquet. And everyone from my past showed up to the appointment to talk me out, basically, of covering it up. And um, what was really powerful was that he was showing me that the intimacy um, that I have with him was what launches me into my destiny. The intimacy with him, the following of Jesus, the following of his voice, it's so simple. <laughs> and that he actually wants to come and cover up what I learned in the past of human effort. This represents man-made human effort. And I actually have it with somebody from my past. And so he was just saying to me that this connection with him that I put in people, I actually put a level of intimacy that was meant for him in what people thought, in what the, the say that people had in my life. And there was just this audience of people coming to try to talk me out of the intimacy that I have with him. And, and so what he did for me on Wednesday night was really reestablish the intimacy that I have with Jesus, that it's so simple, guys. We're just following Jesus. Isn't that so simple? Like, oh, I forgot. I'm just literally just following Jesus. I'm literally doing what Cece said. I'm drafting behind him my entire life. <laughs> wow, the most simple things just can be so radical in your life. And so I just felt this huge shift of just like every day, like just a reestablishing. I mean, he came and he just did so much in my heart and and. It's really just to reestablish that I'm looking at Jesus my entire life, my every day. I look at Jesus. I have intimacy with him and I follow him. And I don't have to employ any human effort. I don't have to stir myself up to try and do better. I just have to follow Jesus. And he is, he is so, 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 so good. And so I think that um, really he he just he's he's has to cut that away from my heart in order for all of us to do our destiny. He has to cut away from your heart the thing that would look to yourself, the thing that would say, "Well, you're not enough," or "You need to be more," or "You need to try harder." And he's just establishing the intimacy that says, "You." you have me, you know, you have me, you have Jesus. And so I just feel like it was just a, a, a reestablishment of the intimacy I have with Jesus where I lock eyes with him every day and I just follow the way that he says to go. And, and I just, I lock eyes with him. I don't look at the crowd people that says, don't do that. Don't do that. Trying to draw me into some kind of song and dance um, and I just follow him and I just fall in love with him and I just have first love with him. And so it was really, really powerful. And I feel the shift The I mean, it feels like it's been a long time since Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know what you guys, it feels like it's been so long, but it hasn't. Um, and I think I've just felt, um, just a new grace and a new, um, momentum because all, I'm just drafting on Jesus. I'm just, he's just my first love. And so it was awesome. It was very shifting. Good, right? Yes. So I felt like <clears throat> starting tomorrow, um, we're going to be praying. Like I said, she's got a sign-up sheet. You can just indicate on there if you want to be on the text for morning FaceTime prayer or noon FaceTime prayer. I felt like that um, it is just a 
focus of returning to the reality of our first love. But part of it is connected to Revelations 22 for me. I want to just read it to you really quick. It's a little bit of it. Um, Haley was the other person I was going to have share, but she's not. She's in RC, so we'll maybe do her Wednesday. Um, in the the title in the Passion of Revelation 22 is Eden Restored. I think it's interesting that at the beginning of the book, it tells us how easily the enemy robbed us of abundance. Can you can you feel that in your own life that that instead of realizing that God's the author and finisher of your faith, so he's writing in your book every day. And don't you hate to be stuck? You know, when I got divorced in 1995, maybe, I think it was, was it 95? Nobody knows around here. Um, I, I said, I remember driving down the road. I had just had four puppies. And I was in this van that we owned. And I was, I was living in Mustang at the time, and I was driving down this street towards the east and there was a double rainbow across the road I could see the full extend the rainbow and I heard him say I make you a promise that that's not going to affect your destiny now I was at the time I was going to a church that didn't believe really hardly in women ministering but they didn't allow women who were divorced to minister Come on, let's just love on them for a minute. Let's just send them our love. Come on, everybody. Let's just let's just send them our love. Y'all, it's the non-participators. Y'all can learn to participate. Remember? So whenever something's stolen from us, if we're not careful, we become the victim. Are you with me at all? So, so Revelation 22, Eden restored. I don't have time to preach on, but it says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life flowing, the flowing uh, water of life flowing water clear as crystal continuously pouring out from the throne of God and of the Lamb of God. Has that stopped? Has that stopped? Where am I seated? So that tells me something. I have an abundance of the river. What does river represent? It's his presence. I have an abundance of something I need. Trust me, I've done it a lot of different ways, but you need his presence. You may think you need food. Jesus said, I have bread you don't know of. You need his presence. And when you make room for his presence, you will be satisfied beyond belief. But listen... Most of us weren't taught to camp around the presence. We made it about church attendance or made it about reading our Bible or made it about, remember we had that map that we prayed for all the crazy countries all over the world. Do you remember when we did that? No? Yeah. That's what religion did. We were so busy for God. We were exhausted and we exchanged the knowledge of being busy for his presence. His presence is rest. I can tell when I'm in religious thinking, and I came from religion, so I know when I'm stressed out. That's the spirit. It gets you. Have you? Come on. Have you ever felt like, man, I'm just doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You ain't doing it. You are not doing it. You are not doing it. You have created a whole life in a response to a lie, and you're tired. When you don't have one of the abundance that he's given us is time. When you don't have control of time, when you're always late to everything, you are in the orphan spirit. It's a spirit that operates on the earth, and it sucks your life out of you until you get old enough to where you say, I'm too tired to do it. I'm just telling you, but here we are, this abundance, 
And it says, and the river was flowing in the middle of the, of the street of the city. And on either side of the river was the tree of life. And it's 12 kinds of ripe fruit according to each month of the year. And the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. This is where you're seated. This is abundance. And so when it, further down, you can read it later. Whenever it says the spirit and the bride in divine unison say, come. Now, see, in, in my old theology, it was get me off this planet. But I didn't realize, no, he wants to come invade the planet through me. I just want to get out. I just want to be safe from pain. Have we gotten to the place yet where we can see is what Shidi's talking about, where we can see what's actually going on. And I just pray that this fast would unveil to your life and to your mind the power of what you're really called to do, the power of abiding in His presence. And I challenge you by the Spirit of God that if you would invest in something beyond where you're at right now, that you will be different in 30 days. As opposed to staying where you are now, actually invest your time and energy. We're providing all these things to be investing to actually shift your soul into being a spirit-led being. And I'm telling you, this is the move of God. This is what's happening. There's going to be more stuff like it's going on in Israel right now, happening all over the earth. And it's time for us to shift. It's time for us to get on our faces and repent for making our life, God be a sidecar to our lives. Do you receive it? Yeah. If you receive it, stand. I'm going to pray over you. Papa, I just release the power of this fast right now that we're stepping into. We thank you for this invitation. And we ask you to challenge us beyond where we are right now. We don't want to be the same. We want to go into this holiday season refreshed and reaffirmed in our first love. And we want to be able to see with the eyes of the Spirit. I release the ability to see in the supernatural right now. I break that complacency. I break that laziness off of our lives. And I release this now in the power of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Cece, you want to come in? Sorry. You know, I, I was telling Tisa this morning that it kind of makes sense to me that, um, you know, Tisa started this thing about, uh, cannot use your laptop. I don't know why I keep trying that. There we go. She started talking to us about stewarding abundance. Yeah. And if you look at the overall Holy Spirit message on this house, he talked about bringing a flood. You know, and then she's like, yeah, we steward, we're stewarding abundance. We got to learn how to steward abundance. And then this encounter happened, this outpouring happened. And I was telling her that it would make sense to me that a good, good father would say, hey, I'm about to flood you with so much stuff, so many good things, so many aspects of my nature, so many different movements and ways that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to act on the earth. And it would make sense to me that he would say, you've got to make sure you've got the main thing as the main thing or you'll get, you'll drown in the abundance that he's going to pour out. You know, you won't know which thing to make the priority because it'll be so much, so much of his spirit poured out. And so I feel like if you've been listening to today, um, the theme is, as Tisa said, she's um, inviting us into this fast to refocus on our first love. And I really feel like it is a pillar that he's saying, you've got to have this part in place. It's not okay, and it's not going to work out well. You're going to be tossed to and fro um, if we don't have this thing in place. And so I just wanted to close up with... Um, a quick reference to scripture that I found after um, my encounter with him yesterday that led to the word um, that I read before worship. And, you know, um, simply put, at the end of my word, you know, Jesus said, divinity bowed in your creation, divinity bowed in your salvation, divinity bows for your affection. And I really feel like that sums up that gives us such a framework to recognize, like to me, that means the way um, the Holy Spirit's talked to me before was sort of giving me this imagery that the God had literally took from themselves to make us, you know, they could like, you understand he made us in his image. And so in other words, there's not just one creator, 
because we can create with him now. Like he took a part of himself and said, I'm not going to keep this for myself. I'm going to share it with you. And so I've got this imagery that he bowed in that sense. He bowed from his divinity to say, I'm going to share with you. And then it says divinity bowed in your salvation. Again, that's a more obvious one, right? Jesus laid down his godship to come and walk as a man on the earth and die on the cross, a gruesome death for us. That's a huge bowing. I think that one's the easiest one to see so that we could be saved, so that we could be free. You know, Tisa quotes that verse in Galatians 5 about, you know, it's for freedom. We've been set free. And honestly, I have often been like curious about that. And it's like, okay, right. It's for freedom that you set us free. But what do you do with the freedom? Like, right, I get it. It was for freedom that you set us free, but then what? Like, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> what does it mean? What are we, what are you saying we're free to do? Like, what's the freedom all about? And we've got to have an answer to that. And I believe the answer is in the next line. Divinity bows for your affection. We are free to love God. We're free to no longer be in bondage to all the stuff that enslaved us. And so, you know, that, that verse, when I looked at it closer, in uh, the Amplified, it's Galatians 5.1. It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. It's the stuff of the fears, the things the enemy says that keep us in bondage. Because if we believe it, we partner with it, and we start making our choices based on that that holds us in bondage. That's the stuff that keeps us so busy. Well, I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid that's going to happen. I'm afraid of this. So I've got to give, divide myself up to all these things to make sure they don't happen. And then we've got this tiny bit of ourselves left to love God. When he said, it's for the freedom that I set you free so that you don't have to be in bondage to any of that stuff before. And so he said in this word, and I believe he's demonstrated it in the testimonies that were shared and all that he poured out on Wednesday night, that it's all about this love exchange with God and man. That's the important thing. And so um, I wanted to, I, this other verse further down in that same chapter stood out to me in a different way. In verse 13, it says in the Passion, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Now, I'm going to stop right there. In the context of the whole chapter and the way I've heard it taught before, it's all it seems to be steering us towards the understanding of just because you're free, don't think you can go sin. You know, but what if it's not about what you don't do and it's about what you're free to do? Like, why have, why have we missed that? I feel like we've missed that. It's, we're, it's actually saying, don't set up your base of operations in the natural realm because you don't have to anymore. You don't have to. It's not about what you don't do. It's about what you're now free to do. And so if our base of operations, think about what that means for your life. If, our, if your base of your, your choices in your day, how you set up your schedule, how you set up your routine in life, how you prioritize things, how your base of operations in the, is not don't set it up in the natural realm, then the other option is the spiritual realm. Set up your base of operations in the spiritual realm. And so what's the first thing you think of in the spiritual realm? It's God. <laughs> it's real simple. He's, heaven is in the spiritual realm. That's my first thought. Heaven, it's God, it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in the Godhead, in, in the Godhead, in the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, it's Him. So that's where our base of operations should be. So just another way of looking at that, which leads us to, I was thinking of the, you know, there, it says right there in, in Matthew chapter 22, teacher, which commandment of the law is the greatest? So just put yourself in that verse and say, what is the most important thing that you want me to focus on today? What of all the stuff I've heard that Jesus is meant to represent and do on the earth and all that I'm supposed to be and do and how I'm supposed to be able to cast out demons and pray for this and serve the poor and all this, all this, all this. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being and with every thought that is within you. 
This is the great and supreme commandment. So I say, ask yourself, how are you doing on that, on this fast? How are you doing at loving the Lord your God with every passion of your heart? Seriously, think about that. Are your passions divided? Or is every passion of your heart pointed to God, loving on God with all the energy of your being, of your physical man? Is it really focused on loving the Lord your God? Or is it divided up among, um, uh, amongst a bunch of other stuff? And with every thought that was in within you, how much time are you spending thinking about thinking thoughts that are actually towards God, that are actually about loving Him, about about cultivating the relationship with Him? You know, we there are people talk about. I think it, I listened to some video. I think it was the John Paul Jackson video where he said it was real easy to fall in love, but it takes work to develop a marriage and a relationship. Everybody that's married knows that, right? And so it's easy to fall in love, but to cultivate a relationship is a different thing. And are we doing that with the Lord, our God? And then it goes on to say, and the second is like it importance. And I just want to propose, and this is when it says you must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. I want to propose that humanity was like, I don't really know how to love God because he's good and he doesn't need me because he's supreme and he's sovereign. So I'll just say, I guess we're good, and I'll move on to the second one. And we've been so focused on loving your friend and all that we're supposed to do for people on earth, but that's the natural realm. And he just said, don't set up your base of operations in the natural realm. So, of course, we're supposed to love God I and mean, love our friends, and are supposed, we are supposed to serve, but that all comes from the love relationship with him. And that is the first and greatest commandment. So I'm excited about this fast. I'm excited about us being a house that doesn't skip over that first part, that first greatest commandment. He made it clear and he made it simple for a reason because it's the key to the door to everything, everything. So Papa, I just want to say thank you for the way that you father us, that you parent us, that that you have spoken to us and told us that we can give you permission to be God, just to be the great I am and everything that that means. We can give you permission to do that by saying, I know nothing and I need your fathering. I know nothing by myself. In this natural realm, I know nothing. I need your fathering. And Jesus, I thank you for, for paying the ultimate cost, for bowing for us for our salvation, for laying down your physical body, your emotions, everything that you did for us on the cross so that we could step into the more of relationship with the entire Godhead, with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, so that we could even know how beautiful you are, so that we could even know what it feels like to love on you and be adored by you and have a back and forth exchange where I love you and then you love me and then I love you some more and then you love me some more and it's just back and forth, back and forth and back and forth and the beautiful fruit that grows from that relationship, we wouldn't even know it without you, Jesus. We wouldn't even have the ability to perceive it, but because of you, we can. And so we thank you and we love you and we honor you and we praise you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you that you are the animator of the Spirit on this earth, that you give us, that you are dramatic. You love the drama of life on this earth. This is not a boring existence with you. You love the flowery things and the powerful things and the big booming things. You love it all. You are the animator. You are the, the one that gives us and fuels our passion in this life, in this relationship with you, but you also search the heart of the Father for what we do not yet know, and you reveal it to us, and you intercede for us, and you pray for us. How could we not praise you? How could we not love on you and just be overwhelmed with gratefulness? So, Papa, we say we don't know everything that we need to know. In fact, we know nothing, and we lay down what we, what we thought we knew, and we say we want to make this the one thing of just loving you and being loved with you by you. So we thank you, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just protect this word, that you would protect this fast, that you would protect what was done on Wednesday night, and that you would protect the shift that's happening in people's hearts still, and that you would reinforce it and set a, um, a guard around it so that we could safely enter into the more that you are pouring out through this fast and through this partnership and through this love relationship with you. 
We thank you in Jesus' mighty, 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 mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.